0: Don't give me another scene. Don't try to explain anything with another scene. Just go to black, and I want to see... All I want to see right now is directed by Ari Aster. That's all I want to see! Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it... And they did. And I was like, yes! And I looked at Mom, and I said, I fucking loved it! Mom's like, what? Mom's horrified, right? (laughs) Poor Mom has no fucking clue what I just went through as a film lover and a screenwriter mom's terrified yeah. She's mortified.
1: you are listening to the silver screen happy hour I'm Chris Wiegand along with my brother Jerome and I can honestly say that I think we had more fun on this episode than any other to date and there's probably a couple of reasons for that we recorded it earlier in the year um, just anticipating that we would release it on Halloween we got into this, and Midsummer and Silence of the Lambs are two of my brother's favorite movies. I, you know, I think he talks about uh, the ranking of both in the podcast, but uh, you'll you'll hear it in his voice. He's just downright giddy as soon as we started recording, and I enjoyed it. I just. <laughs> I don't know. I think he nearly broke me uh, in Silence of the Lambs. Um, we recorded so long that as soon as we finished Midsummer, we realized we were way too long. So we decided this had to come out as a part one and part two. So f- instead of uh, releasing them both on Halloween, we decided to release part one, Silence of the Midsummer, part one, uh, which covers Midsummer. That's this episode on Friday the 13th. And in a couple of weeks, we will release part two of Silence of the Midsummer on Halloween. And that one, we will cover Silence of the Lambs. With that said, I'm going to get the recording of our conversation on the film reel for you. And I just want to ask you to do one thing. If you are enjoying our show, share it with somebody and let us know. We would absolutely appreciate it.
0: All right, so what are the movies for today, and what are we drinking?
1: Uh, well, the movies, usually you're the one that... Let me just hand it back to you, because okay. you've been,
0: like, chomping I'm, at the bit, dying I, for this There day. is There is no <laughs> bit left to chomp. It's gone. I've <laughs> swallowed it. That's how much I've been chomping at the bit for this day. This might rival the excitement I had for the Star Wars anniversary podcast. Right. Um, today, we are discussing two utter gems for me 1991 um, Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme, and 2019's Midsummer, directed by Ari Aster. Um, i have to say that these are two of my favorite films um well i wouldn't say midsummer's cracked like like my top 10 in any way i don't think um but it was certainly my favorite film of 2019 and i could not tell you how disappointed i was when it got zero oscar nominations (laughs) um and, and and Uh, You know, recently I went back and looked at the Oscar nominations for that year, Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking, it should have got a Best Picture nomination instead of that film, or it should have gotten screenplay at least instead of that film. You know, I'm not going to say which ones, but I definitely thought it deserved to be in there, and Florence Pugh should have been nominated for Best Actress in there somewhere. And I'm not saying she wins any of these. I'm not saying it wins at all. But to completely snub this film on an Oscar front is just an abomination. Yeah, so it's
1: very fresh for me because I watched it twice yesterday. And Whoa. I've i been very <laughs> disturbed today because I couldn't <laughs> sleep last night.
0: <laughs> so were this the first two times oh my, watching it? Yeah,
1: yeah. I had never saw it before. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I... Uh, so let's start off by, well,
0: let's start off with what are we drinking? Let's do that okay. first. All right. So I um, I have to preface this by saying <laughs> I am backing up with beer. I do have beer today. Uh, in don't, ca- mix, don't mix. Don't no, mix. No, no, no. It's not about mixing. It's about in case this doesn't work out <laughs> because I have, wait, let me get it. Let me get it. Ugh. Okay. I have in my possession, in honor of Silence of the Lambs, I bought a bottle of Chianti, a nice right? Chianti from the famous line. <laughs> a census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> this is not a nice Chianti. Um, this was on clearance at CVS Pharmacy <laughs> yeah, for five dollars and ninety-seven cents. <laughs> probably worth every penny. Um, but and, gag and that also down. full disclosure I'm not a wine guy I'm really not Shocker. so I don't I don't expect this to turn out well <laughs> I'm going to have a glass and we'll see if I can even finish it um, but I do have my backup Mick ultras ready my uh, my lightsabers um, so what are you drinking so I went with uh, one of my favorite
1: breweries here in Michigan shorts Brewing company we've had them on before um, they should be paying us I'm actually going to their brewery uh, in June with Jesse in about Uh, Four or six of our friends, and uh, it's going to be fun. But this beer is called Evil Urges, a Belgian. (laughs) I wish I wish it was Swedish, but it's not. It's a Belgian dark, uh, Belgian style dark ale brewed with amber candy sugar, whatever that is. So it sounds sweet. We're going to see. Oh, that sounded. I don't know what the ABV is. It doesn't say on the can, which is unusual.
0: very dark beer oh that sounds thick yeah. that's
1: very thick very nice head oh man it is sweet
0: you sounded like, like, like Lector just now
1: oh that is freaking tasty is it good oh yeah
0: hmm
1: i think it's a high abv i don't know what this is i'm gonna have to look it up
0: come on <laughs> i oh, heard man. the pop did you get it Yeah All right now let's do a what holy it, crap what we would call a Jerome pour half the bottle <laughs> I really I really shouldn't not knowing what I'm getting myself into here. You probably I don't know you probably like them sweet I bet but is Chianti sweet I don't know. I've never had Chianti before.
1: I In fact, believe <laughs> I believe it's a dry
0: red. I'm going to go out on a limb and see if it wasn't for Sansa Lamb's, I don't know if I'd ever know what Chianti was. <laughs> Taste it. Tell me. Tell me. Okay, you ready? Let's take our first drinks. You yeah. just went with yours. Oh yeah, it is really good. All right, I'm going to try.
1: I'm surprised the that on uh, on my beer app, it only has a 3.6 average uh, rating, which shocks me. I okay. would definitely give it over a four. Oh, I did be, I've rated this before. I forgot I've had it. So I rate I gave it a four point two five. So my taste hasn't changed.
0: Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is for Hannibal Lecter. Now <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> I can't tell you if it's good or not. You because don't know. I'm not a wine drinker. So it's I, not sweet, to, right? To me, this could taste like absolute shit. I don't know. Compared to communion wine, what do you think? It tastes a lot like communion wine. Are you telling me they've been giving me Hannibal (laughs) Lecter-style Chianti in church every Sunday since I I had communion? Oh,
1: I better not comment, because I'll go to
0: hell. Uh. Um, It's actually not bad. Now, they said I did look up to whether or not to have it chilled or not, and it said Chianti should be chilled. So I I had the bottle, and I kept it on its side to keep the cork moist, of course. You wine drinkers know what I'm talking about. Put it in the cooler, got it nice and cool. I even chilled my wine glass before I poured it in. So, you know, uh, it's one of those that it's, um, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if I'm... (laughs) look on your face we got... <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna finish the glass i'm certainly not gonna finish the bottle i could tell you that much i will eventually switch to beer in which case you will hear the cracking of my can open um but i had to in honor of lector i had to give it a try yeah absolutely um where do we start
1: because let me let's start with some disclaimers uh if you've been traumatized by a serial killer you might be triggered Um, If you have a friend in a cult, you might be triggered Uh, in the there's we're going to talk about suicide. That's a trigger. I mean, it's that's and who's not affected by suicide now. Um, So there's a lot of things, especially
0: Uh, how graphic this one goes.
1: Oh, so, yeah, let's do you want to start with Midsummer? Actually, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. I really don't care. (laughs) Let's start with Midsummer. before you jump in. Let me uh-huh. just let me just say out the gate because I just watched it. So I passively watched it, the first time I was busy doing other things while it was on. But I was <laughs> I was trying to take some in, knowing I was going to rewatch it later. And then I rewatched it, knowing what I was in for. Probably not the best way to take in a movie, but um, but I was actually, able to I was able to catch some things the second I was, time that I, I was I going
0: to say it's better the second time around.
1: Yeah. Um, but i I would so I told you I was texting you, and uh, I said I gave it an f and then I said oh the I meant f e f f
0: it was f <laughs> yeah was an yeah. F movie when, um, when I first got that message from you, I give it an <laughs> f I was like, is he out of his mind are we watching the same movie so here's the thing though it is an F'd up movie yes,
1: I'm censoring myself here I don't know why. It's an F-dumb movie. It it demands the F-word. Um, you, you, I, I will do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I will... I agree with you that it was snubbed 100%. It was snubbed at the Oscars. I, I don't know why it wasn't nominated. Because I, I do believe it's a horror masterpiece. I mean, it's, it is. it is. It was brilliant. I mean, the directing,
0: the sound... So many even the the visuals when they were on their highs, their trips. Yeah, yeah. There's some like mushroom trips. Uh, Yeah. Oh, here's
1: another thing. Yeah, so if you've been triggered by a bad acid trip or a bad mushroom (laughs) trip, don't watch this movie. I'm just gonna tell you right now, do not watch this movie. Uh, I did acid in high school and I was like I was having
0: flashbacks of like some rough (laughs) trip I had. I was like, oh my god, this is bad. I mean (laughs) Will 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 Poulter's character is. Uh, um, I hope I'm I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I hope because I, uh, I, I believe uh, I, I, is he European. I think he's European in real life, but so I might be. I mean, he might have a European sounding last name, but Will Poulter, for as far as the it's written, yeah. Um, he's he's the comic relief of this movie, pretty <laughs> much. And when he's like, they're having their trip, and he's all, oh man, there's a new person coming. I yeah. can't take any more new people. <laughs>
1: And that is one hundred percent real. Anyone that's done anyone that's done hallucinogens knows you can't you can't add a new person to a trip. It's just it's just it'll go bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, but yeah, I I think in like um the visuals, like you said, like um so to have a horror movie that is one hundred percent set in the daytime is unusual. It's bright and sunny in just about every yeah. scene. I mean, there's some indoor scenes that aren't as bright. Or actually, well, I should I should take that back. In the very beginning of the movie, it's dark. Well, um,
0: and there's, there's and, and there, in America, there is a nighttime yeah, scene, but it's um, but almost virtually nothing happens. No, no, no. I mean, when she has her nightmare, oh. it's dark out. But yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. of it's all of a two minute nightmare that she has. Right. And right, I right. and I want to say, well, no, no, no. There is another part. Um... Uh, we'll we'll get to it. It's it's one of the it's one of the murders. But anyway, um, again, full disclosure, we're gonna have to talk endings. Oh, we gotta spoil this one. So if yeah. you if you plan on watching this,
1: just shut it off right now. Go watch it and come back to the podcast because we're gonna ruin it for you if you if you want to surprise.
0: Um. And as far as Silence of the Lambs* goes, I mean, come on, that's what yeah. thirty years ago now. Yeah, it's Four, yeah long so, time. So, <laughs> so you, you obviously everyone has should have seen it or at least knows the gist of what happens in the movie. Um, also, uh, it's fair to mention that um, we've brought up *Midsummer* in previous podcasts. Yeah. And I remember saying uh, when we talk about great writing and like how it ends, and you know when the ending is. Oh it's yeah, it's perfect. It's so perfect that you. I just remember say to you yourself, saying that. So when it happened, I'm like, "Yep, that that was yeah. perfect." All right. All right. <laughs> credits roll. Roll the credits now. Don't add another scene. Roll yeah. the credits right now. It's perfect, and it ends. So I mean, God, what? And talk about a coming out party for Florence Pugh. Uh, she was also in the uh, a, a remake of the film Little Women that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jesse reminded me of that. And that just splashed her all over the map. So I mean, and of course now she's you know she's in Marvel movies now, and now she's going to be in the Dune sequel. Um, Uh, Another uh, another
1: person uh, I did not know that was in this because I hadn't seen it, and uh, William Jackson Harper, who also is in The Good Place, uh, love that show. Um, Our family loves that show. That's uh, made by the uh, what's his name, Uh, who made uh, the The Office and uh, Parks and Rec. All uh, oh, right. Um the the guy who plays Mose, yeah, plays Mose, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, William uh, Jackson Harper, great actor and he played a great part in this movie.
0: And he is uh he he's um what's his name in the movie? What's his name in the movie? It is uh Josh. They's oh, called right. Josh Altman always last yeah. name. Yeah. No, he yeah, that's right. He he plays Josh. So there are uh for anyone that doesn't know, we'll we'll recap this basically. There's um there's these four friends, Christian, Josh, uh, Pele, and uh, Will Poulter's character, uh, Mark. Mark. Yeah. Mark. <laughs> Every time I mention him, he's funny because he brings so much comedy to the movie. Yeah. But, so, they are planning <laughs> like he this- pissed on the ancestral <laughs> the tree. The ancestral tree. <laughs> and the then guy's later, gonna he's- going to kill me, isn't he? Yeah. Later, <laughs> Ulf, Ulf is staring him down. He's like, looks like somebody's still pissed about the ancestral tree. Um- <laughs> And he's like, "Is he gonna kill me?" <laughs> anyway, um, so oddly enough, he had no idea how true that was. Yeah. So, um, so these four guys are planning the sweetest trip. The movie opens, though. The movie is not from their point of view. It's it's Danny Arter, uh, Danielle Arter. She is played by Florence Pugh. She's the lead in the film. Mm-hmm. She suffers uh a tragic event yeah. like it can oh we'll get into it in a second but uh the most uh horrific way to open a film yeah <laughs> um and and then <clears throat> excuse me she finds out that her boyfriend her rather uncaring boyfriend who's been planning on breaking up with her behind her back he's talks to his friends about how he's wanted to break up with her for about a year this yeah, he's, comp- he's quite a douche yeah, the 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 trauma she goes through at the beginning now is going to affect that. It's it's a bummer for Christian now. He can't break up with her. You know, like yeah. it's all you know. Oh no, now I can't break up with her. I have to be there for her or whatever.
1: Well, and I'll and, add. I'll add also like his friends were also kind of. I mean, they weren't jerks. They seemed like decent guys. But they're a bunch of college college kids. Or you know, probably in graduate school. I think they were talking about dissertations for their their graduate degree or whatever. Yes, but um. Yep but they they were pretty shallow and like they were just kind of cold about his his relationship with her. So they so they set the tone right at that beginning about them kind of shit talking her, you know, her, you know, yeah. she's emotional and all this stuff. So they kind of right. had a bro thing going on and you kind of felt like, oh yeah, they don't these they, they're not
0: in it for the relationship, right? There's so. there's even a line in there that Mar- I believe Mark gives when they're at the bar. And he says, "Just drop her or something." He goes, "And then you know what? Maybe you'll meet a chick who likes to have sex." And it's just one line. <laughs> yeah, it's a right. throwaway line. It's a loaded line. <laughs> but you start to get the sense that you know Florence Pugh's character, Danny, she has trouble mm-hmm. opening up. You know, has trouble with trouble with uh, uh, affection and closeness. And Maybe she has may- trouble
1: opening up with douchebags.
0: Yeah, and and maybe just thought. a tad, and maybe just a tad prudish, or maybe even on the virgin side. We don't know. It's just a line that indicates that the sexual history between her and her boyfriend Christian is non-existent, mm-hmm. if not uh, uh, flawed in whatever way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not existent enough for Christian, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, so uh, she decides. That she wants to go with them on this Swedish trip, or he asks her, sort of like expecting her to say no. Well, she doesn't. That, talk about that for a second. They all planned the trip, and he didn't even talk
1: to her and tell her that they were going to go right. until they're she at found, a party. She found out two weeks before they were going to leave for yeah. a month. My for a dicks. month. <laughs> I mean, that's just a that's a dick move to not even talk to your girlfriend about. Hey, I'm leaving for a month or two. For a month, or, yeah, yeah so that was just so, but they did a good job so that's, that's another thing about the writing and the directing they did a great job setting the stage of the, of the dynamic of these relationships before they enter the, the next scene because
0: season. they are all so important yeah. And, and again, how this film did not get a screenplay nomination, I don't know. Um, because it all ties in. It's like a perfectly woven quilt with every thread having its own meaning. Mm-hmm. And you just blend it all together. Um, which is what great writing is. But anyway, so she decides to go on this trip with them. And of course, it then it starts to take a turn into somewhat of a horror film. Uh, where they're at this, uh, this cult-like commune. And... Um, they meet some other Swedish people It's in Sweden mm-hmm. and uh, one of the guys has brought two of his guests from Europe I can't remember what they said I believe it was at London, London? Yeah. okay I was gonna say London or Paris where Connie <laughs> and uh, oh what's the other guy I don't uh, the two yeah the two the the, the couple. That all, uh, I'm sorry that Ingmar brought. Ingmar was the name of Pele's friend. Pele mm-hmm. is the one that takes him to this, by the way, because he's from there. It's his family. Is it Simon and Connie? I'm looking at the cast Simon. list. It is. It's Simon. So Simon and Connie were brought by Ingmar, who is Pele's friend, uh, and Pele brought three or sorry four Americans. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they they get to bring people to this thing, and this specific version of the Midsummer event takes place once every 90 years what Pele leaves out <laughs> is that there's going to be some sacrificing yeah. of people um, they, uh, There's well, a what's, other... what's
1: crazy about that though what really blew me away is they they played it off like I think it was halfway through the movie before I realized oh my god he he brought them here to be sacrificed yep yeah, and because like at first you're like, wow, that's so like so let's get into the 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 what what happens like the day the first full day they're there, the day after they trip and they're, you know, they get there and uh they have that ceremony that you were just about to start that. But there's the I forgot what they called it, but it's basically a ceremonial suicide um with uh the yeah, 72 wait. year olds, right?
0: Wait, yeah, let's get it. We're getting ahead of ourselves now. Well, so let's... okay, but
1: but what I'm I guess the only reason I brought that up is um, you have that trauma early in the movie, and you're like, wow, so it kind of dis- disorients you a little bit, and you're like, holy crap, this is a weird commune, but this is just a weird aspect of their their tradition. Well, it's
0: it's not too early, it's right before the the midpoint scene, Isn't it's, it that it's right late, it, far, it, oh, yeah, wow. it's right before halfway, okay. And it's important that it lands there Um, But (laughs) It lands there, no pun intended (laughs) Sorry (laughs) For the two old sorry 72 year olds That lady face planted man I was going to say who meet their untimely Doom but it's very timely Oh no and hey, no, hey. For the record, the lady does it right. It's the she, guy that know, screws it up.
1: I know. The guy fucks it he, up at Why did he the go end.
0: feet first? Because he was a pussy. At the end, he ended up being a pussy, <laughs> and he and he, fu- he jump so heartedly falls slash jumps off the clip. Oh, no. All right, for anyone that's listening. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just we gotta make fun of it because it's so, so so traumatizing in this commune. Oh. Your life goes in seasons, yeah. okay? And I believe I wrote it down here so I wouldn't forget the actual seasons. Um, oh, geez, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, man. Oh, okay. So, zero to 18 mm-hmm. is spring. That's where you're a child and you're coming of age and learning shit. 13, I'm sorry, 18 to 36 is summer it's what they call your pilgrimage. It's where you go to this festival, mm-hmm. right? Between 18 and 36. And then 36 to 54 is fall. That's what they call your working age. That's where you, you know, take care of the commune and you do all your shit. 54 to 72 you're called mentor. So that's where you mentor people and you're basically retired and whatever. And then Danny has a line in there where she's like, what happens after 72? And Pelle just sort of looks at her and laughs, and he's and then he does the thing, you know, with the, the throat. Uh, yeah, he you pulls know, the, his the hand, hand across gesture. his throat like yeah, he's going to get, yeah. like you die. <laughs> yeah, like you die. And nobody says anything. I know. They just kind They, just they think laugh. he's joking. Yeah, they yeah, think, they he's, they think joking. he's joking, whatever. <laughs> and, and then they go to the ceremony where the two old people have apparently reached uh, 72, and it's time for them to go. And they go up to this cliff, It's very ceremonial. They cut their palms and they write their blood on this ceremonial stone. And everybody's chanting and blah blah blah. And they're all in robes. And they get up there, and and the Americans and the two the couple from London are watching this. Like, wow, I wonder what's going to happen. And the woman just fucking swan dives over. <laughs> swan dives like she's going to belly flop into a pool. <laughs> And she lands face first on this fucking rock and her head just fucking explodes, just like like a pinata. Just oh, shit just no. flies everywhere. It was so and bad. then and everybody's mortified except <laughs> the commune people, right? Because they do this shit all the time. So they're like, whatever. But the Americans are yeah. horrified and the couple from London is absolutely losing it. Like Simon so, is absolutely losing and it. And
1: here's why this works as a horror film. I mean, if that were to happen in like i don't know something about the setting being so bright and happy and shiny and and all the people are this is just this is just what we do you know it's just normal yeah and that with the juxtaposition of all the 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 western or the the you know the the people from uh london and the u.s are just in horror absolute horror yeah um i mean it it was it was
0: stark you know so yeah It was it was fantastic and then of course the old man, it's his turn now, the husband. (laughs) And he just wimps out at the last second, doesn't want to land on his face apparently. What he wanted to do was land on his feet like a fucking cat. Unfortunately, he's not a cat, he's a brutal 72-year-old man, so his feet look like, his legs end up looking like a pretzel by the time he hits the ground. They're all mangled and shit, and bones are sticking out, and blood's flying everywhere, screaming, writhing in pain, and they're prepared for this. Oh yeah. Because apparently this shit might happen a lot, where they chicken out at the last moment, and they don't go face first onto the rock, they go feet first. They know it's going to jack them up anyway, so they're prepared. They bring a big-ass mallet with them, (laughs) where they proceed to crush this dude's skull. This is like a wild E. Coyote mallet. Folks, 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 I implore you, listen to me. If you think this is one of those movies that don't show it, oh no, where they're about, we're about oh. swing to swing and the mallet and then the camera cuts away. This isn't one of those movies. No, not one of those. You're gonna see what a mallet does to an old man's face. Okay, no, it just the, completely. To his skull. I mean. Yeah, like just completely crushes it in, and they're not done. They pass it to each other, and they yeah, all take a everyone, lick. Right? Everyone they gets all. a whack at it. Everyone gets a whack. Oh, it's tradition. Gosh, yeah. It's what we do. It's so rough. so. All right, so all right, so <laughs> so uh, I have to say before we continue what, one of the things that made me want to go see this movie originally was I was reading and wait a minute. Oh. Hold on. Let me just tell
1: the audience right now. You took our mother to see this movie. Yes, it's fair to say. Now wait,
0: before we even get to that, I can't believe you took mine to see. So this. I was. Re- <laughs> I have taken my poor mother. For anyone that's listening to this, I have taken my mother to see Leaving Las Vegas. Wait, I've taken. Wasn't my mother she seventy-two to see-
1: when she saw it?
0: uh maybe. <laughs> no wait. now no, no, it came 48. out in nineteen,
1: right? T- right, and then she turned and seventy in eighteen, so she was seventy-one. <laughs>
0: She was going she's, to turn 72 that 71. year. <laughs> yeah. She was in her final year Dude, of mentorship. That's so messed up. <laughs> and uh, So I've taken my mother to see Leaving Las Vegas. I've oh. taken my mother to see The Whale. I've taken my mother to see all, all kinds of horrific films that a, a, a young lad should not take his mother to see. Oh, no. This was one of them. I took my mother to see Midsummer, And the reason uh, I wanted to see it was Jordan Poole. Uh, Peel I'm sorry Jordan Peel mm. Jordan Peel um from everyone knows him comically from Key and Peel Yeah He's also a writer director he did uh Get Out and um the most recent one uh Nope and uh other there was another one I think it was called Us Yeah I've not seen um, any of them and I I really need to cuz oh, I've heard you, such you, great things about them Yeah oh yeah they're great but you should watch them in order of, of the, when they came out. None of them are connected, but you can see Jordan Peele's sort of progression okay. as a writer-director. His films get creepier as they go. <laughs> and uh, so start with Get Out. Uh, it was the one who won the Oscar for Best Screenplay for mm-hmm. He said in an interview, I had no idea about Midsummer. I never even heard of it. I might have saw a trailer, or not even a trailer, just a billboard or something of the girl crying, where you said it looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. So that that yeah, picture, yeah. that picture was on a billboard somewhere. So I only knew of it by a billboard. Jordan Peele said in some sort of interview or whatever, it's the greatest horror film he's ever seen, <laughs> or it's it's the quintessential horror film, or something like that. He gave it some high praise. Right. And I remember watching Get Out and loving it, and thinking if Jordan Peele thinks Midsummer is that good. I got to go fucking see it. Yeah. So I took mom. (laughs) (laughs) Zero regrets. Zero regrets.
1: So um, I I was trying to figure out, like, did I get some unrated version? Because there were no filters when it came to nudity. And, you know, I mean, did they show all that in the theater?
0: Yep. (laughs) I mean, there was a
1: lot of dicks.
0: <laughs> Christian's red dick from from having sex with a virgin oh, girl. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Red dick flopping I mean, around know, as he's running
1: around. But I don't know. I'm just a prude, I guess, but it's, it's I'm Sweden. not used to seeing that in a movie. It's Sweden, Chris. It's Sweden. That's how shit rolls over there, I guess. God.
0: Anyway, hey, so. Hey,
1: real quick, real quick. Yeah. Can you either, I don't know if you can scoot your seat back a little or turn down the mic a little. It's turning red a
0: lot. That's what she said. How about there? Is that a little better? I think so, but you're going to get animated again. And it's probably going to get loud. Uh, so. I fucking take offense to that. Anyway, <laughs> you believe this, people? He says I get animated. Anyway, so <laughs> and I'll tell you how animated I am. I'm going to pour a sub another glass of this Chianti. All right. Because, see, here's what's happening now. My taste buds are being <laughs> fried off, so I no longer even really taste it anymore. Let's give myself another healthy pour there you know what? I might finish this bottle. That's the beauty about wine bottles. Oh, There's yeah. only about four glasses in each one. Well, two um, if you're drinking like you are. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> I am not offended by that. <laughs> these are these, are, these are hashtag true story. Okay, so so we're getting weird. we're We're fucking jumping around here. We okay. gotta go back to the beginning. So, theme. We always talk about great writing, right? What's yeah, yeah. the theme? Okay, did you pick up what the theme was? So, for me,
1: so, I, I, sh- I didn't flesh this out in my own thought process but I mean uh, what's her name Danny uh, Danny Danny's the lead and she w- she went through this trauma and but her relationship with not just with her boyfriend but with his friends is what I would call sort of a dysfunctional one she's she's like, it's like she's needy in a way that's not healthy with them because she she submits in a way that like she should stand when she should stand up for herself in a couple mm-hmm. of scenes in the beginning. So she her her journey she needs to learn to stand up for herself and needs to you know uh, value you know her own person and and oh boy does she at the very
0: end <laughs> um, right so. <clears throat> so, so here's what I got. There's an actual line. And we always talk about, you know, mm. 5 or 6 minutes into the film. Literally 6 minutes into the movie. Keep in mind the first 5 minutes of this film. Yeah. Hard to watch. Yeah. Very, very hard to watch. Very hard to watch. You didn't
1: even say what it was, but she lost her parents because yes. of her sister, bipolar sister. Murdered them and took her own life.
0: After yeah. She so them. and and not just oh I found out that my sister killed herself and my parents. They show how she did it basically. How she did it. Yeah. It was and awful. it is grotesque. Okay. It is. Um. Uh. And and what's uh, what I thought was ironic and maybe this is, uh, maybe sort of a uh, a director's point for the rest of the film. You mentioned how it's always daylight. Mm. All this horror happens at daylight. All these freaky scary things are going on in the middle of the fucking day in in a place that seems so beautiful beautiful and benign to danger and just happiness and people are happy. There's flowers in their hair and all this shit. The contrast there, the method of suicide was uh, carbon monoxide poisoning from a car. And for, for anyone that knows, if you put your car in the garage and turn it on, you, you could die of carbon monoxide poisoning because there's, the gas can't get out. And you generally will pass out or die in your sleep, as the father does. It appears when they're putting the bodies in a body bag that the mother woke and was gasping because she dies with her face frozen. Yeah, I didn't even in catch that. And that. that sort of like... You know, with eyes open, mouth open. But the father, as they're putting the father in the body bag, he's no expression. He's asleep. He yeah. died in his sleep. Yeah. So you get the... I guess what I'm going for here is the idea if you were going to... This is a horrific, obviously, subject to talk about. But if you're going to kill yourself, one might assume that dying by carbon monoxide poisoning would be sort of the easy i don't want to say easiest way but um less likely for i don't know d- destruction pain blood you know what i mean you're not blowing your brains out with a gun um you know p- some people that have the fear of choking to death would you know we, for some i guess if you want to kill yourself you're going to go either way it doesn't matter what you do um but hanging yourself or jumping off of a building or jumping off of a bridge this has an added element of fear, I think, to somebody who's already going through life with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So somebody that might choose carbon monoxide poisoning as a way of death, you would think they're choosing that as a sort of an easier way to drift, to just go to sleep and you don't wake up. Yet, as the rest of the movie is, that contrast is there that this carbon monoxide poisoning was <clears throat> violent. It was the way she had the tubes going from the car. She duct taped everything, and the and the closing shot of it is the tube going into her mouth. The sister duct taped so that even if she started to panic, she wouldn't pull it out. You know. Yeah. yeah. And and if I couldn't tell with her hands bound, I, I I'd have I to watch know. it again. It looks like her hands are at her side, but you can see vomit all over her shirt. Right. So it's like. God, what a way! Yeah, it was
1: so if, traumatic. I kind of backed away from the TV and with my hand over my face. Yeah, and I just you, didn't, I actually purposefully didn't study the scene because it was rough. I was like, at was- all
0: that that would be, you know, again, there's obviously get help if you've ever had these kinds of thoughts. But if you ever thought that carbon monoxide poisoning was well, if I had to do it, that's the way to go. You you will think differently after you watch this movie,
1: because uh, and it's
0: traumatic for those
1: who have to see the aftermath as well. So my
0: God, yes, exactly. Like it's just what a horrific opening five minutes to a movie. This does have an interesting connection to Silence of the Lambs, though I wanted to mention. Hmm. Okay, we always talk about uh, strip. Stru- stru- script structure... That Chianti's hitting you. <laughs> second second glass, baby. That second glass is kicking in. Um, <laughs> script structure that you usually open with your main character and you kind of show what their life as it regularly is, right? The, usually the first 10, 15 minutes of a movie is what Blake Snyder used to call at work, at home, at play. You show them a day on the job. You show them... Maybe at home. What do they do when they're at home, when they get home from their, a long day? And then maybe show them doing something recreational. You know, something at play. Maybe they play racquetball or something. The point is, you're setting up this person's regular life before any shit hits the fan. Which would catapult them into Act 2. Both Silence of the Lambs and *Midsummer* sort of flip that. They give you the craziness right off the bat. Clarice meets with Starling in the first ten minutes of the movie. Like, we meet Clarice Starling, and boom, she's told right off the bat by Jack Crawford, hey, you're going to go meet the psychopath in this cell today. Go talk to him. We haven't even met Clarice. We don't know anything about her yet. And yet, that's the bludgeoning we get in the first 10 minutes of the movie is her meeting with Lecter. We don't know anything about him, other than he's a cannibal. We don't know anything about her, other than she's a trainee same thing in midsummer we haven't even met danny we don't know what the fuck's going on yet right right and we're met with this traumatic opening five minutes both films before you get to that second turning point then slow down a little bit they give you the trauma up front i wouldn't say Lambs is trauma but meeting uh lector for the first time is very unsettling and then they pull back a little bit then we get to see Clarice we'll talk about this later but we then we get to see Clarice is sort of like at work at home at play kind of thing and then Danny uh is uh, more of her is how to, uh, I'm just dealing with this now you know what I mean I'm right, I'm right I'm sleeping all day I'm not going to class anymore I I've just been suffering for because uh, the movie takes place it's winter time yeah the, when the movie opens, yeah. and then by the time the sweetest thing is coming out in summertime, yeah. So for a good five six months, she's just been sort of shitty, surviving, right? Right, like just I, this is a shitty way to
1: live. Did you like the picture, the screenshot I sent? What was yes. that ding? Why is that not? Let me silence my phone. Sorry about that, everybody. Silence. Yep. your phone. <laughs> silence so, of the phone. Yeah. So I sent you a screenshot or of the, yes. uh, of, the of of a scene. I paused it where danny's laying in bed just grieving and uh there's a big picture on her wall above her bed and it's of a little looks like a little girl kissing a bear which yep. is so genius and i sent you i looked it up i like gu- did a google uh search on that on that painting this film is loaded with foreshadowing yeah. loaded with foreshadowing so just i mean i don't know if we have to jump ahead but um there's a
0: scene in the movie where there is a bear there's a bear (laughs) shut up we'll get to that don't fucking ruin it now we'll ruin it later now so
1: (laughs) so um but what was cool that painting was made by a swedish painter uh, right a writer did he write did he write and did he
0: write the book that he, he wrote
1: children's books and did the illustrations. Illustrations and he's from Sweden, so that was so cool. okay.
0: So six minutes in after this traumatic uh I uh thing, um and you know me now every time I watch a movie I'm listening for what, what come on mm-hmm. somebody say something to the main character that to me yeah so what they say signifies. in the six minute mark, so in the six minute mark she's on the phone with one of her girlfriends. And she's complaining about Christian, and the fucking girl on the phone says he needs to be there for you or good riddance. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's foreshadowing if I ever saw it. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, boom, there it fucking is. It just hit me like, and again, I've seen this movie like ten times. But now, preparing for this podcast, I was watching it again, and this thing hit me in the face like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Just, my God, there it is. If he's not there for me... <laughs> good riddance. Good riddance. And the whole rest of the movie, she, like you said, she, she needs to stand up for herself, right? That's all part of it. That's all part of it. Yeah. Being able to assert herself in and, this and relationship. It, that
1: theme kept coming up, because when yeah. they first got there, like mm-hmm. the, his friends wanted to do some mushrooms, yep. and she didn't feel... Like, she was a little uneasy about it. She wanted to settle in first. But then because of the peer pressure, she's like,
0: okay. Right. You know, and then she had a bad trip. That's what I wrote down. I wrote down that the emotional tug of war for her is when to assert myself, right? Right, right. There are some times she's like, no, I don't like this. And there's times where she's like, okay, fine. You know what I mean? She doesn't know when to assert herself with Christian and his friends. Sort of unsure Um, of herself and, yeah. Right. So... I actually wrote down the battle she endures is, do I smother him or not? Because she says (laughs) on the phone, I feel like I'm smothering him. That's what she tells the friend. The friend's like, he needs to be there for you or good riddance. And she goes, but I feel like I'm smothering him, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) so, okay. So it's clear to me, and here's where we get into tangible spiritual goals, right? God, I fucking love this part. This is the part. (laughs) This is what I love most about Midsummer. So tangible and spiritual goals. What do we always say? The tangible goal... You is what you want right the spiritual goal is what you don't know you needed it's what you need but you didn't know it right right and by going through your journey you achieve it at the end now the tangible goal is what you think you want and you usually get that at the midpoint scene yeah right and, and the halfway mid, through so let me the midpoint scene is when Pele is talking to Danny right yes yeah. exactly at yeah. the midpoint scene now here's what's important about that okay <sighs> So, her tangible goal is to feel support and comfort. Right. Right? To be held. And she got it there. To be held. Yep. Right? And that's exactly what he asked her, right? Yeah. Do you feel held by Christian? Like, have you? And he's telling the story about how his parents, by the way, he says his parents died in a fire. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh Something my God. to think about. Something to think about. Uh, oh, he says his no. parents died in a fire. But he's, he, and she doesn't want to hear it. She's like, she's crying. She doesn't want to hear any of this. But when he says, the difference between you and I is I had a family here, mm-hmm. this family. They held me when I needed it. Right. You've had nobody. Right? Right. Yeah. Like and she knows what he's saying because she even says Christian could walk in any moment. Yeah. He's like, I don't give a shit.
1: But yeah, and and he even asked her, so when you're with Christian, do you feel like you're at home?
0: Right. Do right? you feel ho- right, do you feel home? Yeah. And he says something else that's very interesting. I wanted you to come more than anything. More than anyone right (laughs) he's been planning this shit you know pele's been planning this shit now he probably didn't plan for her to come he probably just thought i'm gonna bring my american friends and maybe i'll sacrifice them because they're all assholes (laughs) but (laughs) but but when he met danny he probably thought this this could be there could be something here i want her to come to this Mm -hmm. because she needs this right um so okay so we get into act 2. The act obviously act 1 is the turning point which takes you from act 2 to act 1 is her deciding to go. Mm-hmm. And it's uh a- another conversation with Pele. Obviously it's interesting enough that he shows up at the turn- first turning point, the midpoint scene, yep. a- and the third turning point. So <laughs> um actually actually it's not really the third, ter- uh, the second turning point which takes you into Act 3 It's uh, we'll we'll get to that but he's at the first turning point because he's telling her you know when they're sitting on the couch yeah. and he's all oh I just wanted to tell you I was so sorry what happened to your family she freaks out right she's not ready to talk about it and there's a great shot that Ari Aster does where she says I gotta use the bathroom and she goes to the bathroom and she closes the door she's in the plane yeah she's in the plane right? on her way to yeah. Sweden I, yeah. I, I,
1: I, it's funny cause because I was passively watching it I didn't catch that the first time but I actually I did because I didn't I didn't catch the whole scene because I looked down and I'm like oh she's in the plane now but I didn't get yeah. the whole impact of how that scene unfolded and it was really it was a great
0: shot yeah 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 it's a great edit cut yes and um so she's on the plane now and so now you're in the second act right because it's a mirror flip of act 1 it's it's a it's I'm in a stranger in a strange land right it's now a new thing um what also is interesting, Ari Aster does, now again, I know we always talk about screenwriting, but sometimes we throw in nice little moments of directing when they're in the car, right? Mm-hmm. As they're driving in the car, what does Ari Esther do with the camera? It almost it, it like goes up to show the sign as oh, they're passing yeah, yeah. it by. That was and cool. Then it, and then it goes completely upside down. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. To where the car is upside down and the whole world is upside so down. So what
1: did that say to you when that, that happened?
0: Again, that's almost exactly saying we are now in the upside down version of Act One. Everything yeah. seemed to be... Uh, Where our characters were in act one now, they're in something they have no idea like this is what they're getting into now is completely upside down. Yeah, that was brilliant. And again,
1: brilliant. I mean, that's all in the directing,
0: right? Yes. I mean, now I want to, are you ready to fucking blow your nuts off again right now? (laughs) When they first get to the commune and they meet father odd. Which by the way, great name. Father Odd. Yeah, I know, right? Father Odd. <laughs> He's fucking odd. Yeah. He's he says hello or hi to every single one of them yeah. except Danny. Oh. You know, what he says you, you, Do you know what he says to Danny? What's he say? You can he, you can hear it if you watch it again, it's clear as day. He says welcome home. Oh, yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. He says welcome oh. home to Danny as he hugs her. He hugs wow. her, by the way. yeah. He shakes the hands of everybody else, says, oh, hello, hi, hi. And when he gets to Danny, he hugs her and says, welcome home. Wow. How creepy is that <laughs> fucking shit? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. so, okay. So now we're in act two. A bunch of other crazy shit's about to go down here. So then there is a moment, a scene where there is a lot of info being thrown at you. Now, keep in mind that the redhead... Uh, 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 ma- maha, Maha, Mahi, Maha, the redhead, the one that with the pubes. <laughs> okay, that all right. That's odd to describe somebody, but you, you'll understand in a minute. <laughs> if you have not seen this movie, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> the one with the pubes. Ma- um, I guess it's Maha.
1: I, I mean, ma- maha. It's in, yeah. in Spanish. You, the J's a H sound, but I don't know. Yeah. They're
0: Swedish, is it? I don't know. But they say it in the movie, but I can't I know, remember now. I can't remember I've either. seen this movie now over ten times, and I can't remember if it's... it's. I think it's Ma- Maja? Maybe it's Maja. 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 It might be Maja. Yeah. Maja. Maja. Yeah. Okay. So Maja's the redhead, and she's already marked Christian at this point. Right. She's, they've already been dancing around. She's already kicked him in the side, and Danny noticed. Danny right. noticed. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Um, but then there's this really weird segment where they're all walking, and a lot of information is poured out. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me let me just go through it. Ingmar says he met Connie and Simon when he and Connie were dating, and Connie corrects him. She's like, "We went on one date, and it was more like two friends." Mm-hmm. And you know, I met Simon shortly after that, or whatever. And Ingmar backtracks. He's like, "Oh right, right, right. I'm sorry. I forgot." So now you get the idea that Ingmar has wanted Connie, mm-hmm. and because she got with Simon instead, that's why he chose them to come to Midsummer, because he's going to sacrifice these two fucking assholes, right? <laughs> like, he's bitter. He's bitter that he didn't get Connie, right? Mm-hmm. It's obvious he has infatuation. I wrote in parentheses, I write, is this why he brought them, right? So, um, and then they talk about the Yellow Triangle Hut. That they can't go inside; it's, right. it's ceremonial. And then Christian doesn't know how long he's been with Danny. When they're like, "How long have you two been together?" and he's like, "Uh, I don't know, t- two two know, and a half two years two and a half." And Danny's all, "Hello, three years." And he's all, "Yeah, oh, sorry, you know, Again, like douchebag." Right. It's right; it's obvious he's a douche. <laughs> when the scene ends, they show the bear in a cage. Yes. Right. And they're <laughs> like, "What the? F- is that a bear?" And then <laughs> they like, show.
1: Actually, someone said. Are we not going to talk about? There's a bear right. here. No,
0: nobody's going to talk about the fact there's a bear in a cage over there. And then as it was the a camera- grizzly bear. It wasn't just a little brown bear. I mean, right. a little black bear. And as the camera pans away of those of everyone leaving, there's a a drawing, a picture that's like held up uh, by tree branches or held up like a banner almost. It basically is dictating what's about to happen next. It's a drawing of a girl who's infatuated, who trims her pubes. <sighs> <laughs> puts it in food for her it's man so to gross. eat the man that she wants so she puts her pubes in his food And then and by the way, there's a drawing of a twat Did, we, did we give
1: a disclaimer about how disturbing this movie is? I yes, think we did continue so there's a
0: there's literally a picture drawing of scissors cutting <laughs> pubes off of a hairy twat and The, the hair is cooked <laughs> into food, but wait. It's it doesn't end there. She takes her period blood and puts it in his drink. Oh, yeah. And there, all this is in the drawing. Yeah. And the end panel of the drawing is that the man becomes infatuated, right? So, uh, ladies, if you're listening, if you want a guy, all you have to do- Oh, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't, don't even finish the sentence, man. Is trim off some pubes.
0: <laughs> Somehow
1: put it in his food. You got to make a mix a cocktail of some kind of and
0: drug. And then put some of your period blood oh, in his drink. God. Now, if you could pull those two things off without him noticing, he's yours. He is yours. He's <laughs> yours. so nasty. You own him. So oh. anyway, so all that is dictated out. After that, they talk about the seasons. Yeah. Uh, what happens after 72. And then the next day is this ceremony. Okay? Yeah. Um... Uh, by the way, I, I wrote down one little note about Mark being the the the, comete, the comedy. Um, right after they talk about the seasons, and right before they say, "Okay, let's go to bed because tomorrow's this big ceremony." Uh, Pale's sister comes in and gives Mark a look. And then when she leaves, Mark's all, oh my God, you guys saw that? You saw that, right? You saw that? The way she And then as she leaves, he goes, man, I want to give her a bath. <laughs> I know, that's so weird. <laughs> I want to give her a bath. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we get to the uh, uh, horrific uh, scene, right? Something uh, about that
1: scene that did not uh, I didn't understand. They said that it's... Uh, it's not been ninety years since the last great feast, and it'll be ninety years till the next one. So, yes. do they do these sacrifices like every year, just not when there's a great feast?
0: So here's 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 where uh, I'm curious because it, they made it seem like they do these sacrifices every ninety years, but if Pele's parents were in that fire, well, yeah, then yeah. the last time they did this was twenty years ago. Yeah, right. Right, when so, he was younger, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's unclear how many times they murder people. But but what's interesting is how they pick the people without it coming back to them. You'd think cops would be all over that place by now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Why does everyone that comes to visit your commune never makes it out alive? They never right? come home. <laughs> but, but it's almost like Pele and and Ingmar and anybody else knows they have to select people who have no family of their own nope no parents that are gonna come looking for them no one that's gonna miss them nobody's gonna miss them right that's like weird. this might be a thing that they do that's the creepy part so anyway <laughs> so there's all this other shit going on where Christian decides he wants to do his thesis paper now after seeing the old people die Christian decides he wants to do his thesis paper on midsummer, which is why Josh is there mm. so of course they have this conflict now they get in this big argument It leads to the midpoint scene now the midpoint scene that we already talked about is Pele and Danny sitting on the bed and he he hits her with it do you feel held by Christian you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like and it's obvious the way she's crying at the beginning of the scene and the way she's not at the end of the scene yeah is very uh, it's very telling about how she feels about Pele or at least that she's getting sucked into what he's selling right yeah um that what he's selling she's she's buying. So now we're in the second part of act 2, past the midpoint scene where you know what happens there every time we talk about these films. What happens the uh, mid, mid, midpoint scene is supposed to be your false victory. I got what I wanted. She finally felt that there was somebody there that cared about her. Yeah. But you know the second half of the movie, everything goes to shit, everything <laughs> falls apart and it doesn't this and, movie is no different. Oh boy, does it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um So oh. it starts off This whole second part of the second act The whole second half of the film starts off with Mark Pissing on the ancestral tree <laughs> Which couldn't have been a bigger mistake On his part <laughs> He has no idea, but you know, To his point, he's like, it's just a tree. It's a dead tree. I had to take a piss. How could I know? And he's right. Nobody fucking told him. Yeah, there's no signs. But everybody <laughs> loses their shit, including, especially Ulf. Ulf and they have signs a... everywhere.
1: Wasn't there a sign? I don't remember a sign. <laughs> I don't remember
0: a sign. If it was, it was in like hieroglyphics or something that nobody fucking understood but them. Right. But all Ulf is a commune member. A friend of Ingmar and Pele's, and he's the one that loses it. He freaks out. He wants to beat the shit out of Mark, right? Um, and your, then <laughs> put your dick away. Yeah, put <laughs> your dick away. You're pissing on our ancestors. So, so bad I think he scene for it Mark. His
1: dirty dick.
0: <laughs> yeah, put your dirty dick away. So, a bad scene for Mark. Immediately after that. Connie has found that Simon is missing. Mm. Now, Simon was the one that made a big fuss at the ceremony of the old people dying. Yeah. Like, he called he called them out. He was like, you're all fucking sick. You all, you know, this is <laughs> you're insane. You're all fucked. He just said Why? it over and over and yeah, over Yeah, and he's like, you're all fucked. You're all fucked. This is fucked. Why aren't the cops here? <laughs> this is fucked. So, obviously, they're like, this is a problem, and this is how we deal with problems. Yeah. Simon goes missing. And they tell her, they tell Connie, oh, he went back to the train station. We'll be back to pick you up. And she's like, he wouldn't have left without me. Right. We came together like, yeah, he, he left without you. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, they're like, yeah. but but the funny thing is when Danny goes to tell Christian, Simon just left without Connie. Can you believe that? Christian's all, wow, that's crazy. So tell me again more about this commune. Like, he's like, he's yeah. just fucking, it's another example of yeah. where he's not listening to her. Yeah. He's he not doesn't care her. about her. He's not her. there for her. Yep. Right. He's not there for her. Um. Hold on, okay. I gotta, I gotta fix something. All right. There we go. Y- you know, I, I am actually drinking this Chianti now. I'm fucking drinking it. I didn't think I was going to, but I am. Oh yeah. Uh, so. So right after Simon goes missing, are we back on yet, or not yet? Hmm. <laughs> go for it, man. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> As He sucks on his head. Uh, All right. That That came out a little wrong, but he was drinking the head of his beer. You weren't wrong, but. I wasn't wrong at all. Uh, That just sounded wrong. Okay. (laughs) So, right after Simon goes missing, um, they're making a meat tart. They're making meat tarts, right? And they invite Danny to come in and help them make meat tarts. It seems clear to me that the meat tart is fucking Simon. So, so now they're making a meat tart. I didn't even make that connection. So they're making a meat tart, right? The next scene, they're all sitting around eating these meat tarts. Uh, And what does Christian pull out of his teeth while eating his meat tart? A pube. (laughs) So everything is starting to go to shit here. And if you didn't notice that it was a pube... Who said it? Is that a pube? It's Mark. Of course it's Mark. It's always Mark, right? It's always Mark. Mark says, dude, is that a pube? And that's the same scene where he says, uh, where all staring him down, yeah. bad dogging him, and he's yeah. like, looks like somebody's still pissed about the ancestral tree. Yeah. And then, and and then, then he th- says, is he going to kill me? Is he going to kill me? <laughs> right. So and then, and then the girl that he's hot for, that he wants to give a bath to, Pele's sister, comes and gets him. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mark, come here. I want to show you something. He's all, hell yeah. She's going to show me. <laughs> yeah. He has no idea what's coming next. So, though they don't show that scene, Mark no. dies. Mark dies. They kill Mark in that, in that scene. Um, and then they cut to that night. This I if a, that's a deleted scene. I, no, I don't think so because ears. the next scene after that is the creepiest one. So, this is one scene that does take place in Dark in the dark at nighttime. Oh, right. Yeah, Josh yeah. has crept out of their sleeping place yeah. to go take pictures of the ancestral book he's not supposed to go fucking near. Right. Right? He's not supposed to take pictures of this. Cheaty from he... the good place. Yes. <laughs> and he goes in there, and you see the uh, deformed child that's sleeping off to the side. He walks right past him, by the way. And he starts taking pictures of his phone. He sees a reflection in the mirror of somebody standing in the doorway. He turns around and he believes that it's Mark. Uh And he says, Mark, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Now, when the camera goes up and you see the reflection in the the glass, when he spins around to yell at who he believes is Mark, the camera follows. It doesn't cut. It follows. When it follows, watch it again. Mm -hmm. Pele standing in the corner. Wow. Pele standing in the corner. It goes by so fast, though. I even missed if that, you, yeah. Even if you pause it, all you really see is a figure wearing Pele's clothes and dark hair, white guy. Wow. You assume it's Pele. The camera moves so fast, right? So, he's arguing, Mark, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be in here, blah, blah, blah. He gets bludgeoned over the head. Oh, yeah. Pele kills him. Okay? So, and then it's off which you don't know this by watching the film, but I I read it on Reddit sometime later when I first saw this movie. Ulf has killed Mark, or at least the sister has killed Mark. Ulf has decided to dress up in Mark's skin. So he's wearing Mark's face when he leans over Josh and he's moaning. Right, that's so disturbing. Creepy as fuck. Next day, everything seems normal except... We can't find Mark and we can't find Josh. And by the way, the scene opens with Danny and Christian waking up. Watch it again. Bailey's in the background changing his shirt. Wow.
1: So, something that, I mean, one of the, another reason, I mean, it was just disturbing on its own merit, but what another reason it was disturbing for me. So, like, I, I, don't, I was listening to a podcast and I don't know. I don't remember where I heard it, but I guess when you have a, a traumatic head injury, one of the common like uh, responses that your body does basically you involuntary you make a snoring sound, like a really? gr- a gruntle like snoring sound, and what kind of creeped me out about that is, um, gosh, it was 20, 20 years twenty three years ago, um, my wife Jessie, was in a car accident. And Caitlin, one of our kids, was in the car along with three of our kids. And Jesse was pregnant. And no one got hurt except mostly, I mean, there were some minor injuries. But Caitlin had a fractured skull. And when I, I was, I saw the accident. Happen.
0: I didn't know she fractured her skull oh, in that yeah. accident. So it was
1: scary as hell. Uh, I got to the scene. Caitlin's unconscious. And she was making this, la- I thought it was like a labored breathing sound. But after I heard this podcast, I was like, oh, wait. It sounded like she was snoring, which was a really weird sound because I'd yeah. never heard her make that sound before. And that reminded me of the accident. I, was, I had a flashback of when Caitlin was injured wow. in a car accident 23 years well, ago. And
0: Josh is laying there sort of like shaking yeah, almost. I you mean, know what I mean? Like, his
1: head, head injury was way worse than Caitlin's was because it killed him. <laughs> you know, But, right. but, but yeah, it, it took me right back to this little girl in a car seat with a head injury and it was like it messed me wow. up i was like god so yeah now i'm sharing my trauma with the world <laughs> wow That's,
0: as if we didn't have enough on our but plate
1: today thankfully caitlin <laughs> you know after three days in the hospital she was fine <laughs> well was i
0: mean you yeah. and i we disagree on the definition of fine just kidding caitlin you know i love you I love Caitlin. All right. So, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we like to give our family members little digs every now and again. So, Caitlin, join the club. Okay. So, uh, and, and to say nothing of the fact of how many digs we give mom whenever we oh do these podcasts.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, well, she's our biggest fan,
0: you know. Yes. Yes. So then, okay. So the next morning, Pele Chang is changing his shirt. Christian is summoned by Siv, who he has to go in and talk. Siv is like the leading, like the like the maternal sort of like the mother of this land right and she's explaining to Christian all about yeah he, go- he goes I think she fed me one of her pubes and she goes well, yeah that sounds about right that sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> I know I start cracking up oh and by the way about the <laughs> drinking the menstrual blood Ugh. in that scene where he eats the pube if you look at everybody's glass the, it's all light color like it's orange juice his is darker uh, his is dark Christian's is darker it's almost like a dark I don't, mean, I don't juice. ever want to
1: watch this movie ever
0: again so- <laughs> <laughs> no you got see that's the beauty of this one is you catch more shit w- watching this movie is like the horror film version of airplane where every time you watch it you catch something else you never caught before right that's what midsummer is so anyway (laughs) so so then they invite danny to do the midsummer dance right to do the the the, uh the the may queen midsummer dance where it's a it's about 30 girls and they dance around this structure until you dance until you fall over and anyone that's left standing is crowned may queen Right, and they give you a little bit of drugs before you start. I mean, why not? Right? Right um, <laughs> So some shits going on about um, Christian is is being seduced uh, and and influenced to deflower the redhead, right? Maja. Um, it's almost like he was he was pinpointed from day one. like the first day he got there, he was targeted, right. She put the thing under his bed fed him her pubes he drank her menstrual water a, reg- a you know a day in the office so um <laughs> anyway so while all this shit's going on danny wins the may queen she outlasts everybody everybody falls but her right the outsider and i don't i mean i'd have to watch it again for like the 12th time I don't think they threw that contest. Like I don't think they did it on purpose for her yeah, to win. I think the last two to
1: fall ran into each other by accident. Yeah, by accident. I mean, they didn't make it look like they they threw it.
0: Right, right. right. Like she wins this shit. She just wins it. Right. Um and then uh, there's this big thing where they carry her around and they put her in a chariot and all this shit. And then the all is lost. Now, we all know what the all is lost is, is where the main character has hit complete rock bottom. Right. She already is very nervous about leaving Christian alone while they take her off on this little parade yeah, their relationship's thing. basically hanging by a thread. It's by a thread, like a very, very thin thread. She gets back, and she says, what's going on in that room? Or what's going on in that cabin? And they're like, oh, no, 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 you don't want to go there, you know, whatever. She's like, no, I gotta go. So she goes and looks, and of course, what does she see? Oh Which is probably the most unsettling sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. And that yeah. includes and that includes porn, by the way. <laughs> Christian <laughs> has got down butt hold, naked. Hold on, wait. Before you describe it,
1: so Jessie was on her way home from a thing last night and she <laughs> called or yeah, she called me in like the movie's playing in the background, you know, I didn't even pause it because I kind of knew what was going on. I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, when you walk in the door, you might be walking in into like, in the middle of, like, what lo- may look like an orgy. It's not,
0: but it's really weird. Yeah. So, all the, like, the elders, oh. the old mentor ladies, are standing in a half circle around the fuck pit... <laughs> <laughs> and they're there to sort of cheer on and oh. this is a good this is a good time to describe that the, at this moment you get the realization that um it happened a little bit when the old people died but this sick this really made it clear they have a way of feeling what they are feeling yeah what
1: they the people share are feeling. the emotion they
0: share yeah. the feeling yeah. So while this fucking is going on, all the old ladies are like orgasming, like they're like they're feeling it. Mm-hmm. One lady even gets behind Christian and starts pushing his bare ass, <laughs> naked ass, and he's looking like what the fuck? So disturbing! Like, I'm trying to have so, sex with this it's obvious minor, I might add. <laughs> I'm having sex with this girl, which is a crime. It was, and it was yet, So weird. And yet there's an old lady behind me pushing my ass to oh, go deeper.
1: it was bad. It was so bad. So, and here's the thing: he was drugged. So yeah, he was drugged. He, he was drugged, and so no basically, basically, he no was dr- he was drugged, and they told him that that well, he actually voluntarily drank it. Yep. She she gave it to him. She said it, it'll reduce your inhibitions and whatever. Yep. And he drank it. He
0: wanted to fuck Maja. That's all there is to it. Right? Like So you you, can't you can't get around it, but you can seduce as much as you want. He wanted to do this. Because again, what did we say at the beginning? Danny doesn't have sex, or at least her affection level isn't that high. He comes to this place where this little redhead is literally throwing herself at him. And he's seduced by that. He's seduced by the idea of somebody that wants me. Right? Yeah, it was i uh... I'm in a three-year relationship, three, four-year relationship with Danny who doesn't appear at all like she wants me. This redhead, I'm here five days, whatever it is, and it's clear that she wants me. He's yeah. drawn to that manhood thing. So anyway, cut to the... Uh, make it a long story short. <laughs> when he comes... She starts lifting up her knees, and she's like, you know, I can feel the baby, I can feel the baby. And he's, like, weirded out now. He's like... You know what? Me having sex with an obvious minor with a bunch of old people standing around watching was bad enough. But her saying, I can feel the baby, oh, that's where I draw the line. So, so he runs out. He runs out in disgust, butt naked with his red bloody dick. Oh, God. Running around. And then he has nowhere to go. Of course, he stumbles into a different cabin that has Simon's dead body hanging from a ceiling. Well, that was it for the elders. They blew dust in his face and paralyzed him <sighs> yes. permanently. From head to toe. Yeah. So well, I would I would say from neck down. His eyes. because yeah, his eyes worked.
1: could move, and that was yeah. about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. And he so, couldn't talk. So that is Danny's all is lost, and of course we always talk about Dark Knight of the Soul, which is the moment between the all is lost and the main character's decision to to propel into Act Three, right? So, um, so to me, that Dark Knight of the Soul, that moment. Danny goes into the cabin with all the sisters and she's crying and they are all there with her, remember? And they're all huddled over and they try to lay her down in the bed, but she just wants to get to the floor and they're all around her and they're all feeling her pain as she cries, they cry as she goes, "Ah," they go, "Ah," they're they're, in sync.
1: Yeah, it was creepy, but at the same time. I could understand like psychologically how this it would comfort a person that doesn't have support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like her like this is the answer to her need. Someone right. that is there with her yep. experiencing, you know, what she's feeling with her, something she wasn't getting from her boyfriend. So yes. it, as weird as it was. I mean, the commune is twisted. But it was
0: filling a need, so, yeah. It was, it was, so oh, yeah. So, her jump to Act Three, of course, she's put in charge to decide who <laughs> she's made like queen or something. Yeah, she's she's the May Queen. <laughs> yeah, and she gets to decide what's going to happen to Christian. Um, <laughs> well, to she could supr-
1: she could have chose someone else,
0: but yeah. Su- surprise to nobody, <laughs> fuck you, Christian. <laughs> right? They stuff him in a bear. <laughs> We're in Act Three now. Well, first they, they
1: show him like disemboweling the bear, yeah, and then they, they, they disembowel open the empty bear. cavity. They shove his ass up in there. Yeah,
0: they shove his ass up in there, <laughs> and then they, they talk about the nine sacrifices. So oh. the two old people that already died and that they cremated, they created these weird Lord of Paper Mache with twigs and shit to signify those two. So those so, two are but there. That
1: confused me. Were their heads real? Those, I don't think so. But the Not bodies, but the bodies weren't because it looked they looked real, like like a real dead
0: head right, on a the fake body. But their but their faces were mangled in real life, like they were completely caved in. Oh no! Oh so it, yeah! It, it couldn't have been their real heads. Well, no, I'm so, talking about their friends, though. Like, oh no, no, no! Oh yeah, 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 yeah! yeah. So we'll get to that. So okay. the first two of the nine are the two old people that oh, died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're made up in like sort of like yeah, models yeah, with yeah, twigs yeah. as hands and right. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They stick them in there. <laughs> uh, the next two is of course Connie and uh, Simon. And yes, like. They have these; they're like flowers for eyes and shit. And it's like they used their face and their their skin yeah. to create these dummies, so <laughs> to speak. So nice. <laughs> um, they do the same thing with Mark. They put him in like almost like a like a clown outfit because he's the clown, yeah. right? Yeah. And and all has obviously taken his face off. Josh because he was, wearing was his face. Josh was there, and Josh and Mark. So that's two, four. So that's six, and then seven, eight is the. Uh, the volunteers, Ingmar and Ulf, yeah. volunteer to be two of the ones that go. So weird. So, And this is another way of maybe why they get away with it all the time, because the people that are luring them are the ones that sacrifice themselves. With the exception of Pele, uh, Ingmar sacrifices himself. So if any cops ever came and said, hey, have you ever seen this guy? They'd be like, nope. Go ahead. Look around. Check. You might find his ashes, but nothing else. So anyway... Ingmar and Ulf represent themselves, and then she has to decide. They draw like a fucking lottery, like it's the uh, uh, Hunger Games. They draw (laughs) a lottery ball, again, with a bunch of hieroglyphic symbols on it. I don't know. They pick it up, and they're like, oh, Frank. We picked Frank. You know, whatever. So a guy comes walking up, and he's the guy, and she has to decide between this guy and Christian, who's paralyzed at this point. Of course you picked Christian, right? So Christian goes, gets stuffed in the bear, and then uh, and they place him inside the thing. Excuse me. <laughs> this Chianti, man, I'm telling you. The final scene is they set this fucking thing on fire as one big sacrifice, and everybody starts feeling their pain. Yeah. When Olf catches fire, Yeah, he starts screaming. He starts screaming and there and all the people are like going like this outside. Like they can feel. Yeah, they start
1: rubbing their skin and start screaming.
0: Right. Like they're like they're trying yep. to get the fire off of them. Yeah. So they you can almost feel what the what Ingmar and Alf are feeling. And so does Danny. Yeah. She's writhing in pain, screaming. And then the final You could
1: tell her, her pain though was was more of a You know, she was grieving that she just lit her boyfriend on fire, you know? I don't know. Well, I think it was part of it. I I think she had become like them. Yeah. I mean, so... And she was Finish your point, because the final scene is... Wait, 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 wait.
0: Actually, before we get to the final scene, (laughs) one thing I forgot to mention. When she wins the May Queen and everyone's celebrating, did you notice Pele comes up and kisses her?
1: No, I didn't
0: notice that. He comes up, takes her both hands... On her face and kisses her. Wow. Okay. And then just keeps going along with the crowd. Yeah. Huh. I miss it. You that. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like she is going to he and her are destined to be a thing, right? Yeah. To be together. She's the May Queen. He brought her, so he gets to be the courtship, the the guy. <laughs> Final scene. Final scene. She achieves her spiritual goal. Yeah. She's in. <laughs> now, so, no, no, remember, I said tangible goal was uh, to, to just be held, right? Yeah. Well, to me, the spiritual goal, where is it? I wrote this down. <laughs> her spiritual goal is to be uh, in, impor- important, right? To be an important member of the family, to yeah. be a leader in the family, to be somebody of importance. Her whole life, nobody's cared about her. Her sister doesn't care about her. Her parents don't care about her. Her boyfriend didn't care about her. Every time. uh, And they they allude to it with little lines of dialogue like, your sister always does this to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they say say shit like that in the whole movie. You get the idea that she's not only never been held, she's never been important. She's never been seen as important. Right, right. Final shot, she is the fucking May Queen. Yep. And this whole ceremony of sacrificing these people is in her honor. Yep. And the camera fades out with her smiling. Smiling, yeah. Yep. And when I was in the theater, (laughs) I, I, I don't know if I said it out loud. I might have. But in my head, I'm all... Stop fade, fade to Close black. it now. Fade, close to, black. It now. fade, fade to, black. to black. Fade to black. Fade to black. Fade to black. Fade to black. Don't give me another scene. Don't try to explain anything with another scene. Just go to black and I want to see All I want to see right now is directed by Ari Aster. That's all I want to see. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it. And they did. And I was like, "Yes!" And I looked at mom and I said, "I fucking loved it." And mom's like, "What?" Mom's horrified, right? <laughs> Poor mom has no fucking clue what I just went through as a film lover and a screenwriter. Mom's terrified. Yeah. She's horrified.
1: Unbelievable. So. Yeah. So. Here's the thing. Um, I think we need to make this a two-parter. We can continue recording, but I think we should release this in two separate recordings because this is, we're at 80 minutes right now on the first movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs>
1: So, um, <laughs> we're normally
0: done like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, let me see here. If there's any other notes I wanted to add, I don't think so. I think I got everything. I'm with um, you though, man.
1: I don't know how Florence Pugh did not get nominated. Oh, she best, not. She was so actress. great.
0: She was so great. There,
1: I mean, as you went through that again, I'm recounting how many times she had to like, not just cry. But full body cry. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, oh full my God. emotion. In, I mean, because that's, I don't know, it's like...
0: Her pain is feels so real, you yeah. know? Like,
1: good God. And, like, when she was crying um, after her parents were killed and her sister died, like, you could hear, like, her voice was hoarse. Yeah. Evident And, like, signifying that she had been wailing for a long time. Because you could hear, like, it sounded like she had
0: laryngitis, because she was like, oh, ah. it's, ah. it, "It's actually, it's actually more than that." When before it happens, this is the beginning of the movie. She's talking to Christian on the phone, and she's saying, "I got this cryptic message from my sister," yeah. and that's when he's on the phone going, "Well, she always does this to you, you know, blah 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 blah." She leans over; her almost her whole face takes up the frame of the film. And you see bags under her eyes. Like yeah. you like like it's obvious she's been crying so for days. Leading age. up
1: to this, she had already been going through hell,
0: yeah. Right. So you I mean, yes, you could say, Well, that's makeup. Okay, but it's still acting. Sure. Because she can't keep herself from tearing up just talking to Christian.
1: Well, anyone that knows someone or has a family member even more with that has that's bipolar, um, this is I mean again, they're probably not going to want to watch this movie because it's so triggering it's so because they did such a good job just in that brief it was only like five minutes right the beginning of the movie yeah where they yeah. they f- unfold that that whole scenario but if someone has I bet you people walked out of the theater I bet you people people who who lived with people with bipolar probably said nope, this one's not for me because it's too real. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It was it was nuts.
0: Yeah. So okay. So let's assuming that we're gonna cut this into two parts. Let's start part two. Okay. Wait. 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 <laughs> Before we do that, any closing thoughts on Midsummer other than it got completely robbed at the 2019 Oscars?
1: Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm a little
0: bitter that it got it got right? totally snubbed. I now, mean... what did I fucking tell you? I told you a long time ago. I said there every year a movie will come out. Yeah. That I love more than any other movie, and sometimes it wins Best Picture, and when it does, it's great. But there, I remember, I always tell the famous story about in nineteen ninety five, I was such a big fan of Braveheart that in early ninety six at the Oscars, uh, Braveheart wins Best Picture, and Mom called me to congratulate me. <laughs> I have nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> I was, so in, I was in college at the time And all my college roommates are like Did your mom just call you to congratulate you Like like you had no- I had fucking nothing to do with Braveheart But it was a movie that I Championed like the whole year I was like Guys this is the best movie of the year This is the best movie of the year and I kept telling everyone And they're like no Sense and Sensibility is going to win No Apollo 13 is going to win And then it, it was like it, when it came to Oscar night the odds were on either Apollo 13 or Sense and Sensibility right. That was it now Everyone knew that Mel was going to win best director because it was the best directed movie of the year. But everyone's like, but best picture is going to go to either Sense and Sensibility or Apollo 13. And when Braveheart won, my mom called. <laughs> 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 like so I fun. had just won the fucking Oscar. <laughs> Anyway, like,
1: so the great acceptance speech. <laughs>
0: right, right. I should have given my speech. So that's a point. That's a point I want to make about how like every year there's a movie that I love and I tell everybody about it. And sometimes it wins best picture, sometimes it doesn't. Right. It's a letdown. Two thousand nineteen, my favorite film of the year by far was Midsummer, and it's not even close. Yeah. And it wasn't even nominated. And I just, I, it just, it, it, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Ari Aster, you got robbed, my friend. Uh, robbed. Robbed. He could have gotten Best Director, Best Screenplay. Uh, it should have been nominated for Best But I'm not saying it's going to win these, but yeah. it, it, it at least should have got nominated.
1: Okay, that's where we landed the plane on this one. It is kind of an abrupt cut. We just kind of rambled on a bit about how long it was going and how we needed bathroom breaks. (laughs) So I spared you that. Um, But yeah, the six degrees of separation that we normally do at the end of each episode will be at the end of our Silence of the Midsummer Part 2 And again, if you're enjoying the show, please share it with somebody and let us know. And let us know where you're listening. We'd like to hear from you. So until next time, cheers and go watch the movies.